0: G'day greetings, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Nigel Yolden podcast. My name is Nigel Yolden. So glad to be back chatting a little bit of sport with you. I'm um, clean forgot about Wednesday night with Nigel, which I think, as some people did point out on the Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash Nigel Yolden Sports. The Olympics going on. I guess it is a little bit understandable. Uh, the conversation, for those who maybe don't follow the page, it went like this. My wife was like, so what are you talking about on your show this Wednesday? I was like, ah, that's right. Um, and I'd clean forgotten. Um, school holidays and work and some other things. And things do slip your mind, uh, for which I apologise. However, on that day, I did put an opportunity up there for some people to throw some questions at me. And I'm going to do it as what you're listening to right now, the Nigel Yolden podcast. So we're going to be talking Olympics, league, water polo. Rugby and F1. Questions coming in from uh, DG, Ben, Craig and Zippy. Uh, A reminder that on a uh, Wednesday night, I do Wednesday night with Nige, look out for a post on a Monday morning. I'm thinking based on some of the correspondence I got from the recent post, I might leave it till after the Olympic Games, which makes sense. Then we can do a decent old debrief um, with regards to everything that is going on. There are uh, questions, as I say, about the Olympic Games, which I will get to uh, very shortly. But there is just so much that has happened, is happening, um, is about to happen. I'm recording this on a Friday morning uh, in around just over an hour's time. Emma Twigg is going to be rowing for gold. Uh, Emma is one of my favourite people ever. She's a great athlete and that's where I got to know uh, Emma and now, subsequently, Emma's wife uh, as well. Emma's wife works um, is associated with Northern Districts cricket, so I've had a little bit to do with that organisation. But Emma's just one of those people who I got to know her when she was just sort of starting out. So she's been to this is Olympics number four. Uh, so it was uh, 2008, 12, 16, and uh, 21 or 20, whatever they call it, Tokyo 2020. I dates and all that sort of stuff is all up the wazoo it's like the Euro 2020 even though it's in 2021. I got to know her so like when she was first sort of coming on to the scene and you just sort of build a nice rapport a good working relationship and she's just she's smart she's funny she's articulate she's honest she's caring she is diverse she took the time out to go away and do some work for the IOC and then she biked home, her and a couple of her mates biked all the way home from Lucerne, it's 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 cool she's just an awesome person so uh, in an hour's time from recording this I intend to be yelling and screaming my lungs out for just a, a, a really good human being, one of my favourite athletes she's kind of like the female version of Richard Kahui, C- Cax came through the club rugby scene and so I saw him play there and got to meet him a little bit, then he made the Waikato team, then the Chiefs then the All Blacks and Now he's the sort of guy who you just sort of catch up and it's like catching up with an old mate and he's just a a really nice human being. I kind of feel that way about Emma. Whether Emma feels that same way about me, I don't know. Um, But I just think she's just just an absolutely beautiful human being, just one of the good human beings that you could ever want to meet. I actually think that in around 10 to 15 years' time, what she has achieved in the boat is actually going to pale in comparison to what she's going to do. I think she's going to be amazing out of the boat with whatever she wants to choose to, to go and do. Um, I can see her down the line as a potential chef de mission, and she probably won't like me saying that, um, but I think she's got that kind of character, that kind of intelligence, if that's the way she wanted to go. Um, But whatever she's going to do, she's going to be successful at it when she gets out of the boat. In just an hour's time, I'm going to be yelling my lungs out because I really, really want to see her finish up her Olympics in absolute style Um, because she is. She's just an absolutely beautiful human being. Lovely, lovely person. So much time for her and her wife. They're 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 nice people. That's what you want. You just want to see good things happen to nice people. I think that's the reason why the Olympic Games, from a New Zealand point of view, when you get to know these athletes, you know that the vast majority of them, I'd be willing to say all of them, but I don't know all of them, but the vast majority of the ones, pretty much all the ones I know, they're just good people, and you just want to see good things happen to them. Um, so uh, that's a little bit of what's going to be happening in, in the olden household in just over an hour's time. Let's get stuck into some of these questions that people have uh, sent through, and we'll start with the Olympics, because DG's got two questions. The first one... Nigel, thoughts on the IOC for letting the Olympics go ahead despite the high number of cases of COVID in Tokyo? DG, we know this. Tokyo, Japan's hands are tied. There was a great article, and I was trying to find it to be able to reference it. Uh, It was either New York Times or Washington Post, and it just explained the economics of it and how also the contract side of it. Basically, the IOC is running Tokyo. Now, the IOC... Obviously, it's so. This is a this is a massive money making venture for them. It's a massive money making venture as well for the worldwide Olympic rights holders for TV. Um, now, ironically, when you read this article, both of these particular those organisations are insured. However, if it doesn't go ahead, then the host has to pay a significant amount of money to the International Olympic Committee and the worldwide host broadcaster. And that's the reason why it's going ahead. It's pure and simple. It's money. Um, and as, as we sit here right now, everything's been rolling along in, in terms of the, the cases and the testing and um, it hasn't impinged massively. There hasn't been like a big spike or an outbreak or anything like that. But man, oh man, I mean, that's the reason why. It's it's going ahead and it will be the, hopefully, the most unique Olympics in the history Hopefully this is not rolling around in three years' time when we get to Paris, uh, but that's the reason why, DG. It's money, pure and simple, and it's not just from the IOC point of view. It's also from the the Japanese, from the Tokyo hosting point of view as well, because they've got to pay a lot of money if it doesn't go ahead, and absolutely, like we're talking billions from the article that I read. And this person, incredibly learned, knew all the details with regards to the contracts and what would have to be paid if it doesn't go ahead in in terms of uh, insurance or compensation. Um, Cracking article, I'm really gutted that I could not find it. I think it might have been slipped behind a paywall somewhere. Maybe that's the reason why I couldn't find it. Or it's one of those ones where you get X amount of free articles and then it closes off. Um, But uh, uh, DG, go for a search. As I say, Washington Post or New York Times, was by an economist, um, someone who's also, in addition to being a, like an economist, also has a, a legal background as well, so understand sort of the economics of the arrangements. And that, that's what it comes down to, it's pure and simple, money, that's what it is. Second question from DG, what would be the best option for the Kiwis and the Kangaroos due to not going to the League World Cup for health and safety reasons? Like a three-test series, etc.? No GD, uh, DG, I don't like them playing at all. The majority of these players will have been part of the NRL. They would have been in these bubble situations. Yeah, I know recently they've been able to get their family there. If the Kiwis and the Kangaroos are not going to the Rugby World Cup, I don't want them doing anything but spending time with their families. Don't want them doing league, don't want them doing anything. The last two seasons of the NRL has just provided for mine... Too much. There's just been too much pressure, too much stress, particularly on that external. And I know they're taking care of it. I know they do a job and all that sort of stuff. I, I get that. But this is a different scenario that we are looking at. So from my point of view, I don't want them to play at all. I don't want a three-test series. I don't want to see them. I want to see them go away, get home, spend time with their families. Uh, hopefully Australia gets to a point where they are able to, to get back out and mix and mingle and just be... Regular people, don't worry about league. I want to see the same for the Warriors. I want them to come home, be safe, get out, and, and just be people again and not worry about rugby league for a wee while because it's just been so all-encompassing inside those bubbles for mine. So I don't want to see them playing at all. If they're not going to the World Cup, and I understand their reasons why they want to, they're want they not going, I don't want to see them playing rugby league. I don't want to see a 3 test series. Anything like that there, I just want them just... To go away, and and I think a lot the vast majority of people in the NRL have earned that. There have been um, well noted, well documented instances of people breaking it and getting punished accordingly. But I think for the most part, you got to think we always focus on those instances, the likes of the Jai Arrow and what happened with the the Dragons, and obviously there's a bit of an issue now with with uh, James Roberts. But the the fact remains is that the vast majority of these of the NRL players are doing what they are asked. And so I think they need a reward because for the last two years, I think it would have been, whether you're at the top of the table, bottom of the table, pretty highly stressful situation. So just let them live and not ask them to go and play. More rugby league would be the way I would like that to happen. Uh, from Ben, now on my post I put a photo of uh, from the New Zealand water polo 18 and under national championships that I was a part of the commentary team on for Sky Sport Next. And so Ben has got a question here regarding to water polo. He says, Nigel, does New Zealand not have an Olympic capable water polo team or teams that surely could compete at the Olympic level? Who or how is it decided? So Ben, this is how it is from the women's side of things. So there are um, 10 teams that qualify for the Olympic Games. So the hosts, top team from the World League, top team at the World Championships, last World Champs was 2019, five continental Olympic qualification tournament champions and the two top teams at an Olympic qualifying tournament. Now, in terms of the continental qualifying New Zealand is obviously in the mix, with a little country called Australia. Aussie were third at the World Championships in 2019, so they generally and historically have won the Olympic the the continental qualification tournament. Now, I start with the women because that is where New Zealand's best prospect are at. We finished 12th at the World Championships in 2019. Morgan McDowell daughter of Steve McDowell, outstanding young prospect. I'm pretty sure I've got this right. She was top scorer at that particular World Championships. But the issue is always going to be is that if you can't um, get there by being either the winner or doing in the World League, which is always going to be a challenge for New Zealand, you've got to go through the the Olympic qualifying. So in that situation, that's where they really need Aussie to, to win either the World League or the World Championship. As I said, Aussie third in 2019. So Aussie are always going to be that stumbling block. Which is why the announcement of 2032 from a New Zealand water polo point of view will be quite significant, because as the hosts, Aussie will have a team there automatically. New Zealand should be able to qualify a team as part of that um, continental qualification, looking ahead. Okay, so that's from the women's. Now, from the men's point of view, uh, it's extra two teams, top two teams in the World Championships, five continental uh, qualifying champions... Uh, top team from the World League, the host, three top teams at an Olympic qualifying tournament. Now, same with the New Zealand women's team, two top teams at that Olympic qualifying tournament. Unfortunately, Water Polo New Zealand simply could not afford to send the team to the qualification tournament. They were, like a lot of organisations, hit by COVID, they could not afford to do it. So, answering your question in a very long-winded way. Do we have an Olympic capable water polo team? And the women's, yes, we do. And the men's, we are getting there. And this is the thing that I've seen over the last two years of being involved with the 18 and under national championships. The talent is absolutely extraordinary. And there's a lot of cross pollination there with regards to there's a lot of rugby players. And, you know, when you go back, you know, uh, we we mentioned about Steve McDowell and and his daughter, Um, Ben Afiaki. Uh, the one-time All Black prop, Chiefs prop, uh, now coach with the uh, the blue scrum coach. Former water polo player. And there's a lot of um, second generation, like uh, Kevin Shuler, his son Joe is an outstanding talent. Uh, was studying in Australia, and I'm pretty sure, I'm trying to remember what Herb told me, I'm pretty sure that in the same team with Joe Shuler, I think it's Nathan Sharp's son. Um, so there is... Water polo is a sport, if New Zealanders really wanted to climb into it, they would absolutely love it. I, 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 we would be very, very good at it. it. It's like handball. I think handball has got a lot of things that New Zealanders would like. I think water polo, again, is one of those things where I think it's superb. And I'd love to see just, you know, that, that um, you know, the, the cross-code side of things, I think there's a lot of rugby players who would benefit from being involved in that sport. And likewise, obviously, the water polo players would get a fair bit. You get in front of that goal in the mosh pit, my goodness gracious me, it's all on for young and old in a game of water polo. It's brilliant. But the talent that we have at the moment in terms of being world, being world capable, I think our New Zealand women's team would hold up well. They would not disgrace themselves in the Olympic Games. Aussie's always the stumbling block. Likewise for the New Zealand team that the men's team of Australia is very very good so that's where it is i would have been interested to have seen this New Zealand team go to an olympic qualifying tournament because i think they would have had a shot at sneaking a couple of upsets and maybe sneaking in but finances part of the reason why but just keep an eye mainly on the women's keep an eye on the men's too cuz they've got some great talent there Just keep an eye on that. And I think 2032 now becomes a significant date for New Zealand water polo. That is 10 years. It's a decade. I understand that. But I think that's going to be something that, with that target, water polo New Zealand is going to be able to do some really good things around, in my opinion. Thank you for the question, Ben. Craig, NPC starts next week. Who are some of the players to watch out for, in your opinion? Okay, so... What I'm very much looking forward to in the MPC, usual stuff, I like to see the next generation coming through. So I was lucky enough to commentate Super Rugby Aotearoa under-20s in Taupo for a week, saw a bunch of amazing talent, and I want to see that talent now as some of them make the step up. A few of them still down a little bit, but I want to see them making that that step up. So couple of players. A guy called Mahana Grindley played for the Blues, Gone down to Taranaki. Very good centre. Like the way he played the game. I'll be interested to see how he would go in that Taranaki setup. Josh Jacob is another guy. He's a first 5'8". I think Josh could actually get a... I think he might be a shot to get a reasonable run throughout MPC. I like the cut of his jib. He's another one for the Amber and Blacks to keep an eye out for. quarter Broughton out of Bay of Plenty. Now, he is a loose forward. And the steamers are stacked with loose forward talent. But this was a guy who, for mine, was absolutely outstanding. Every time I watched him in Topor, I thought he should have been an under-20s New Zealand rep. I got the sense that the under-20s team was picked prior to the tournament because there were guys who were getting outplayed who, funnily enough, still made it into that particular team. But that's another discussion for another day. Um, Arisi Polico out of Southland, another loose forward, a number eight. If he gets some opportunities, I'll be interested to see how he goes. Sean Withy, who was player of the tournament, we've already seen him at NPC level. I want to see whether he can now step up again, be behind James Lynch, He's in Otago, but I think he could be someone who will get some chances throughout the year, um, and I think he's an outstanding um, open side flanker. And the obvious ones to Young halfback talents. There were too many to mention, but some great halfback talents coming through. I want to see some of those guys getting an opportunity next level. And clearly I want to see how Roger Tuovasa shit goes. Coming back, where they play him, where they start him, how they want to reintegrate him into um, the game of rugby. To me, I'd be playing him on the wing. I know they're talking about him at centre and second five and all this. I think you just got to start him at the w- on the wing. Just bring him back in slowly. There's no need to rush. He'll go on the end-of-year tour, okay? Now, whether it's to play or as an apprentice and obs- observing, whatever, he'll be involved. You could even see him play against the United States now that that particular fixture is being confirmed. That would be one for Roger to make his debut in. But I think what you will see is just bring him in, and get him playing. I think the wing is the best spot. And then just slowly sort of reacclimatise them throughout the NPC. And of course, we're going to watch that because that's going to be interesting. Solomon Akata apparently on the way as well. Um, so those are who I'm really looking forward to. But it's really just that the talent is always fun. And based on what I saw last year, I want to see the impact again of the older players. The Luke Romanos, Liam Messam. I see Jack Lamb has re-signed for Waikato for the season. I want to see the influence of those older players. Julian Xavier I thought, had great influence for Wellington last year. That's what I want to see too. Uh, who are you looking forward to seeing perform at uh, Tokyo the most? Well, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to Emma Twigg oh, it's less than an hour now. I'm looking forward to seeing what Tom Walsh can do. I think he's up against it. Ryan Krause are obviously breaking that world record. Um, is going to go in there absolutely red hot. Uh, I'm, there's no one that, in terms of like rock stars, that I'm really looking forward to. I'm looking to see the transition. I want to see Nick Willis go out on a high; would be great. But I'm also looking forward to seeing Young Sam Tanner, who is just going to be an extraordinary talent, and it, and it's lovely to see this little crossover between Nick and Sam. For those who have been uh, in and around the. Um, New Zealand track and field scene. Sam Tanner is a wonderful talent. A couple of years ago, there was actually a great shot. I think Nick might have been – Nick was either 35, turning 36, and Sam was 18. And they competed. And one week, Sam beat Nick. And there's a great photo of Sam on Nick's shoulders. Now, a week later, Nick got the better of the young fella. And Sam thought, right, here's a great opportunity. Snuck up behind him, put Nick up on the shoulders, and they got a, a photo with Nick up on Sam's shoulders. This is a lovely wee transition. I think Sam Tanner is going to be really good for a long period of time for New Zealand. He's, he's a wonderful, wonderful talent. I want to see how they go. I want to see how Camille Buscombe goes. Obviously, was lucky enough to commentate track and field a little bit throughout the summer. I want to see how some of those New Zealand track and field athletes um, go. But I'm just really enjoying... Just watching the diversity and watching the different diversity of sports. That's what I like about the Olympic Games. I sat down I was watching some badminton recently um, and just really enjoying the skill in that. I was watching the archery. I want to commentate the archery at the Olympics. Um, Cherie Kinnear, if by chance you listen to this podcast, Cherie's an outstanding uh, multimedia journalist for, for the New Zealand Herald. She is a New Zealand archery champion. Cherie, you and I need to do commentary together, my friend. I reckon we could absolutely slay it at the Olympic Games. So we need to make that happen. I would love to be back commentating uh, BMX. I've got a chance to do that. Basically, any sports, I, I'll just channel surf. It's like, oh, cool, golf. I'll watch that for 15 minutes. Go look through my mice, go. Oh, man, look, they got handball coming up. Oh, there's some water polo coming up. I'll just bounce around and have a while of a time, try and keep an eye on when I can on the New Zealand athletes going on. But there's no real big rock star that I have to watch and so that actually makes it more enjoyable for me so I can be you know just like a, just a channel surfer I'm a great channel surfer I could channel surf at the Olympics I'd back myself to podium um, and just float through and it's right yep cool put a little reminder on that one bang that pops up beautiful so I Craig, I'm not really looking for... I'm just enjoying the Olympics for what they are in terms of the spectacle of sport. Would I like to see crowds there? Would I like it to be in a non-COVID um, impinged environment? Of course I would. Uh, but I'm just enjoying it for what it is at the moment, which is a a, a a great collection of sporting talent, even though not all the best sporting talent is there because of what the pandemic is doing. But that's that's... I'm just enjoying it at the moment. As I say, countdown on to watching me old mate uh, Emma Twig. And finally, from the questions that he's got sent through, and I greatly appreciate uh, DG Ben Craig and me old mate Zippy from sending this through. Nigel, your thoughts on the Lewis Hamilton v Red Bull fiasco after the Grand Prix, particularly after the news that Red Bull is taking it to the FIA to review that particular crash. So, Zippy, I've watched the crash. i watched it just before beginning to record this podcast as well. I believe Lewis was at fault based on my very, very amateur understanding of the rules. Um, Yep, he darted, and uh, they were both darting around, and Max pushed in slightly, which he's entitled to do, and then went back out. Lewis seemed to be going in, looked like he had a move, and then to me it looked like he stopped and pulled up, and that there is what caused the contact. So to me, it's on Lewis... I don't think it was dangerous, reckless the way that Christian Horner and Red Bull are painting it. Uh, Yes, it was at high speed. That turn one at Silverstone is massively high speed. So, of course, if there is contact, loss of control, it is going to be a big impact. And I'm not in any way downplaying the fact that Max had to go to hospital to get checked out. But to me, it looked like a mistake by Lewis Hamilton that caught Verstappen. Now, I I don't know in terms of what other ruling can be made in terms of the penalty. I think it was 10 seconds or something. That didn't seem like a, a, a whole bunch to, to me. But I believe that it was just a driving incident. And so... I think Red Bull, I think, are trying to make a bit of a point. I think Horner here is trying to make a, a little bit of a point, trying to sort of get a few things. Not to the same level as my old mate Rassi Erasmus, uh, but I think he is just trying to, to get certain things, and he's making a little bit of a fuss about it, because he, he realises this is going to be a tight battle for the Drivers' Championship between Max and between Lewis, and I think he understands that. I think he's trying to win maybe a few points and you know try and get in the mind of the... Trying to get in minds of the referees. If you want to look at it from that point of view, you sort of nibble away, just reminding, "Hey, this guy's doing that at the breakdown," or "Hey, they're really close to the offside line." Da 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 da. we see that. I think that's what Horn is trying to do there. But to me, I thought that I didn't think it was reckless per se. I just think he got it. He got it slightly wrong. Realised it was on. Thought it was on. Then it wasn't. Tried to clip. Bang. Wallop. Rest is history, as they say. Um, But it's got people talking about it again, which is a bit of a shame because I actually thought the Formula 1 season, and the the MotoGP season's been lit as well, but I thought the Formula 1 was showing signs of that competitiveness and that closeness and that tightness that we want to see. We've seen some different faces up on the podium aside from uh, the ones that we've sort of got used to. So I think Formula 1's been rolling along really nicely at the moment. So, you know, it's not going to hurt. It's going to get people tuning in and watching I just get the feeling Horner is trying to just get in the minds of a few people there. So, um, But it's good theatre and it's nice that Formula 1 is actually back. and Well, it seems to be getting back a little bit to the way I remember it and what encouraged me to watch it and get involved with it. I'm still taking MotoGP over F1 at the moment by a country mile, but... It's starting to starting to look a little bit more like what I remember, which is nice, Zippy, which is very nice. All right, folks, uh, that's it. That was all the questions. I do appreciate you doing it. As I say, my apologies for my absent-mindedness. I think I might just leave Wednesday night with nights until after the Olympics. Then we can have a, a good old Olympic debrief session. Uh, but I do want to say thank you again to DG, to Ben, to Craig, uh, to Zippy for sending your questions through here. If you do want to follow the Facebook page, on which these podcasts will appear, in addition to all the other wonderful podcast platforms that you can find me on, it is facebook.com forward slash Nigel Yolden Sports. Just random stuff. I'm not posting a lot at the moment. I'm not one of those people who likes to post bucket loads after bucket loads after bucket loads. That's just not how I am. I'll find little things like earlier this morning, Another Woj bomb, Adrian Wojnarowski talking about Russell Westbrook to the Lakers. Big deal there that they're looking to do with um, DC. So um, it's it's an interesting one for me at the moment, watching all that, because we've got the draft not too far away uh, from starting. I think that's, what, 10 minutes away now, as we get close in on uh, 30 minutes of this particular podcast recording. So, yeah, all those little things. Obviously, we saw Stephen Adams. I'll just post sort of stuff that, that interests me, I hope it interests you. If we can have a discussion about it too, that's kind of cool. I have some Super Brew tipping competitions that uh, I run on the side as well. We're in the back half now of the NRL season. Bunnings NPC, I've got that fired up as well. I've got all the details. Go to the page, Nigel Yolden Sports. That is facebook.com forward slash Nigel Yolden Sports. My thanks for your questions. My thanks for your company. This has been another edition of the Nigel Yolden Podcast. We will catch you again real soon.